Thank you for coming to the Lord's house. And for those who are visiting, it's good to see also folks from back home as well here in the Lord's house. And we pray that God will bless you as you fellowship here in Orlando Free Presbyterian Church. Do pray for this congregation. Pray that God will bless it. God will strengthen it. God will send the man of his choice to be the pastor of this flock. Now we're going to open the Word of God this morning. And we're gathering around the Word of God in the book of James, the chapter 1. First chapter of the book of James. And we commence reading at the verse number 1. That is James chapter 1. Uh, the general epistle of James chapter 1. And then commencing to read at verse number 1. Let's follow the Word of God together. James is servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but is withered, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his way. Blessed is that man that endureth temptations, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. We end our reading there, and we know that God will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word, for his name's sake and glory. Amen. Let's bow our heads for a wee word of prayer. Eternal God and gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy precious Word today. Thy Word is truth. We thank Thee that Thy Word is forever settled in heaven. And, O God, we bless Thee that though heaven and earth may pass away, my Word shall never pass away. And, O God, therefore we come around Thy Word, and I pray that Thou will take of Thy Word and speak to all of our hearts. Minister to my need today. Minister to the needs of each and every one that's gathered in this place. And if there be one today that knows not Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we pray that even today that they might come and find in Christ alone that life which is eternal. And so, Lord, cover us in the precious blood. Abide with us, we ask of thee, and speak to our hearts. For we pray in Jesus' precious name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now there are seven general epistles in the New Testament. There's the general epistle of James. There's the first and second Peter. There's first and second, third John. And also there's the epistle of Jude. 
Now they're called general epistles because of the general nature and the general nature of the content. There is general teaching for all in these epistles. James is a very practical book. It is a book that indeed talks not only about belief, but it talks about behavior. And of course, those two things ought to go together. The old preacher once said, there are two sides of the gospel. There's the believing side, and there's the behaving side. And friend, that's true. Because if they do not go together, then there's a contradiction. Many people say, I do not hear what you say, for I see what you do. And what an awful tragedy is when there is a conflict there. You see, what James is doing in this epistle, James is bringing before the believers, and he is exhorting them to turn their profession into practice. Because James is concerned. Because there is, it is so important that there is an unmistakable evidence of the grace of God in the believer who professes that faith in Christ. And you and I must give that evidence. You see, sound doctrine is so vitally important. But there is something that goes along with sound doctrine, and that is sound living. And those two must walk hand in hand if you and I are going to be a good witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the tragedy is today that many people think as long as I am sound in doctrine, I can do what I want. I can live as I wish. But friend, that will not glorify the Lord. That does not honor the Lord. I remember the story being told one time of a, a man who used to live, uh, when he lived with his wife, and he lived, as far as the world was concerned, he lived an outside saint. But at home he was a real devil. And he did not live what he professed at home. He gave his wife an awful time of it. And you know, one he was asked by this, uh, there was this gospel mission going ahead. And he was asked to give his testimony. And of course, he, they announced that John was going to give his testimony. But of course, his wife knew his testimony. And that was something different of what he was going to say. And so therefore, he didn't tell his wife that he was testifying. But somebody told her that he was giving his testimony at the meeting. And so she slipped at the back into the back row. She was in first and she sat in the back row waiting John, of course, was sitting at the front waiting to give his testimony. And then he was called to give his testimony. And he was about to start his testimony. And his wife stood up in the back row and she says, Remember, John, I'm here. You see, friend, she knew a different testimony. You see, sound, sound doctrine must go alongside uh, with sound living. Parallels, if we're going to honor and we're going to glorify the Lord. Now when we come to this book of James. I want you to notice. Let's just come to verse number one. It says James. A servant of God. And of the Lord Jesus. Now he just. You notice in these. Uh, in the scriptures. It's different. Whenever you and I write a letter. When you and I write a letter. 
you put dear and you, to whom you're writing to it, and then at the end of it, you put your name. That's not what happened with the, the, in Bible times. The name came first. And so therefore, whenever we open, we know exactly who it's from. It is James. It's from James, this general epistle of James, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But this letter is given. Now, James in Bible times was a popular name. There are actually four of them in the New Testament. James, of course, is, the, is a form of the Old Testament Jacob. And, of course, Jacob was a name which was well known, certainly, in the uh, book of, of Genesis. And as I said, there are four of them. But this James was James who was, according to the flesh, he was the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he was the son of Mary. He was the son of Mary. He had another brother, and we look probably next Lord's Day at what he had to say. He had another brother called Jude. And of course, we have the little epistle of Jude. Well, Jude and James were, were, were two brothers. And of course, we, we find that in, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, it talks about the brothers of the Lord and sisters. There were brothers and sisters that were the, the children of Mary and Joseph, unlike the Lord Jesus Christ, because he was the Son of God. Now, the Bible tells us something else about James and about Jude and about his brothers, and it's this. That when the Lord Jesus Christ was growing up in that home, his brethren did not believe in him. In other words, they did not see him who he was. They did not believe he was the Son of God. They just saw him as one of the family. But something happened. In actual fact, it wasn't until after the resurrection when the Lord Jesus appeared unto James, and that's recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when he appeared unto James, and it was at that time that I believe that in actual fact James got gloriously saved, his life changed completely. And so did his brother Jude, and so God stepped into that family in a, in a wonderful way. The Lord appeared to James after his Resurrection, And we can trace therefore his conversion to that time. It's always good to be able to trace your conversion to a time. Now not everybody remembers the exact date because uh, people uh, are different. But thank God on the 4th of June 1957, as a little boy of eight, I was gloriously and wonderfully saved by the grace of God. And therefore I can look back to that moment in my life. Now I want you to notice how James introduces himself. And how he doesn't introduce himself. He says this. James a servant of God. And of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice he gives the Savior. He really believes in him doesn't he? He gives him the full title. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't say and of Jesus. No no. He says of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he had a personal relationship. And you see whenever you come into that relationship with Jesus Christ. Things change. Because the Bible says of course. If any man be in Christ. He is a new creature. The old things are passed away. And behold all things become new. And so therefore he says. James a servant. A servant of Jesus Christ. Now he could have written something else. James could have said, 
I'm the apostle. He could also have written, I'm the leader in the church at Jerusalem, or the moderator. In actual fact, whenever he's been spoken of by Paul, he's called a pillar of the church. He was the Lord's brother. But he didn't use any of those. You know, sometimes it's easy for us to get caught, carried away with titles and glory in titles. But friend, let me tell you this. James was happy to say this. James is servant of God. A servant. A bond slave. A servant. And the word means, because whenever we talk about a servant, one who is deprived of his personal freedom and becomes an instrument in the hands of his master. That's what a servant means. And that's what James is saying, I am. James is saying, listen, I'm simply a servant. I'm an instrument in the hand of my master. I am a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a servant. Of course, as we study James in his life, he was, in other words, he was a humble servant. He was happy just to simply call himself as a servant. He was one who grew certainly in stature in the faith. He became the undisputed leader of the Jerusalem church. And yet, he makes a simple statement concerning himself. I'm a servant. Now let me say this to you, friends. No matter how God uses you, and God can use you mightily, and that should be the desire of your heart, that God would use you mightily. But never forget who you are. Never get carried away with pride. Never get elevated. You know, people love to lift people up. And then quite often they just drop them down. But always remember, he was happy to be a humble servant. Because he said, I'm simply a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's who we are today. If you're saved, because you're saved to serve. And therefore you are simply a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remembering this, that no matter how God uses you, remember, not have I gotten, but what I received. Grace hath bestowed it since I have believed. Boasting excluded. All pride I abase for at best I'm only a sinner saved by grace. That's our story. And praise God we can say to God be the glory that's our story. We're simply sinners saved by grace. He was a humble servant. He says, I'm a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's something else. Because through this epistle, he was a helpful servant. He was one that was there seeking to help the believers. You see, the believers were going through trials. The believers were facing difficult times. And so therefore, James wanted to be the encourager. He wanted to encourage him. And let me tell you, there's a tremendous ministry there. 
If you say, well, listen, all the ministry I have is an encourager, I'll tell you this, that's a mighty ministry. If you're an encourager among the saints, you know, there's some people, and whenever you meet them, you don't want to stop because you know it's only moaning, groaning, complaining. There's nothing like an encourager. Somebody who's a real blessing of whatever you meet them. My friend, no matter what they're going through, there's a glow in their countenance. There's a joy in their hearts. Why? Because they know that no matter what it is, God's in control. We had a lovely couple in Macrafelt, Ivan and Louise. They're both now in heaven. But Louise was diagnosed of multiple cirrhosis. For years... She was able to carry on. She used to play. Ivan would sing and Louise would play. They went across our congregations and what a blessing they were because Ivan had the most beautiful, beautiful voice and how he ministered to the hearts of those that listened to him. Louise was a lovely Christian girl. You know, no matter where you saw Louise, she was always rejoicing. Louise was going down in health. In actual fact, she, her disease got to such a place that she had to be put, strapped into the wheelchair. And she was so shaking, just her body was so sick. But you know, whenever you met Louise, and I would go into Louise's presence and I would say this, and there's some of my family here know this, how true this is. Whenever I would meet Louise and I'd say, Louise, how are you? And then I would stop and say, let me answer it for you. Because I knew what she was going to say. Knew what you say? And she's sitting there in the latter stages, serious stages of her multiple cirrhosis. I says, Louise, you say, I'm great. I'm great. With a smile. And you know her answer was, But I am. I am. Never once. Until the day God called her home, never once did I hear Louise Wells complain. Never once did I ever hear her say, I'm in a bad place. Because, you see, when Louise prayed, I love to hear her pray in the prayer meeting. And Louise just talked to the Lord. Just talked to him. He was there beside her. Remember one night she was praying, and she forgot the name of a person. And she says, Lord, you, Lord, you knew that, that, that brother that needs to be prayed for. Ivan, who is he? And she said, and Ivan said, hey, that's Jim. Hey, Lord, Lord, that's him. That's him. She just, that, she just talked to her friend, her savior. What an encourager. And James was an encourager. Have you that ministry? Because I tell you, it is a ministry. James was not only a humble servant, he was a helpful servant. Now there were problems. There many of God's people were going through difficulties. There were divisions, there was sin even amongst the believers. But instead of James driving them down, James exhorted them to repent of their sin, to confess their sin, to forsake their sin, and sought to lead them into that close walk with God into spiritual maturity. And surely that's what we ought to desire. 
he was a servant. But notice who is writing to. It says here, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the tribes or the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. So who's he writing to? He's writing to the saints. He's writing to the twelve tribes. Now I want you to notice there's a little word that he uses to those that he's writing to. Go to verse number two. My brethren. And you'll find that word over and over again in this little book. He's talking to his brethren. His brothers. Now whilst it was true they were not brothers according to the flesh that he was writing to. But he was talking about a greater family. It's the family of God. And friend are you glad that you're a part of a family of God today? This might be a little flock. There might be other places, let me tell you, and they're crowding to them today. But praise God, there are those in this place today can reach out their hands to those that are sitting around them and can say, you're my brother. You're in the same family. We're in the family of God. But remember, to get there, you need a birth. What did Jesus say to Nicodemus? He said, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. And you see, that's the only way into the family of God, friend. It's a new birth. You've got to be born of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Nicodemus, ye must be born again. And over and over again, in this chapter 1, verse 2, my brethren, chapter 2, verses 1 and 5, chapter 3, verse 1, chapter 4, verse 14, and chapter 5, verses 10 and 12. Brethren, brethren, brethren. You see, he's speaking about a wonderful relationship in the family of God. And I say this to you this morning. Let nothing, let nothing fracture the fellowship of the family of God. I think it's very sad when you see brother against brother, sister against sister. When you see a division amongst the family of God. And friend, it happens. But it's sad. And James knows that there are problems, yes, among the saints but he exhorts them to get them dealt with to get them under the blood to get them forgiven to to forsake them to turn to the Lord they were brethren in the Lord so we have the servant writing to the saints who were scattered go back to verse 1 which are scattered abroad so he's writing to those that were scattered. That word there is through sowing. The idea is scattering seed. And so the epistle is written somewhere between the martyrdom of Stephen and the apostolic council in Jerusalem in AD 52. Do you remember whenever Stephen was martyred? Do you remember whenever they laid the coats down at the feet of Saul of Tarsus? And you remember there's a great persecution. You know what happened? The believers were scattered. They were scattered abroad. You know the old devil would say, I've finished the work now. 
There's the believers scattered. There's no, there's nothing going to be done for God. Everything is going to be wasted and the, the, the Lord's work is going to stop. How wrong the devil was, friend. Because it says an actual fact, whenever the believers were scattered, look at chapter, Acts chapter 8. And it says in verse number 4, keep your hand in James, we'll be back there in a moment. It says, therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. And instead of the devil stopping the work, praise God, he scattered the seed. The word of God everywhere these believers went, yes, were under persecution. They were suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ. But listen, praise God, they used the opportunity to spread the gospel. You see, friend, listen. Affliction and the problems of life, and we'll come to this in a moment, can either make you one of two things. It can either make you bitter or it can make you better. Now, which one? Which one will glorify the Lord? Make you bitter or better? These believers, they were scattered abroad, but thank God, they didn't blame God. They took the gospel, they took the opportunity, and everywhere they went, they preached the gospel of Christ. They spread the gospel seed. Now, you'll notice, what is he saying to them? Let's come now to the substance. Verse number 2. James chapter 1, verse 2. We talked about the servant, we talked about the saints. We talked about the scattering. Now the substance. What did he say to them? Well, let's look at verse 2. My brethren. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. And the word there is trials. Count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience but let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire wanting nothing now I want to try and take you through this very quickly in the closing moments of our meeting this morning what is the substance how is he instructing the people of God that are scattered, that are suffering for their testimony of Jesus Christ? And I believe what he's seeking to do is this. He wants them to mature. He wants them, their lives to be balanced. He talks about being perfect. And that's not sinless perfection. That's not. doesn't mean that. He's not talking about a sinless man. But he's talking about one who is mature, one who is balanced, one who has grown up spiritually. And the tragedy is today that there are little, there are many of God's people and they have never grown. They're still babies. They're still little babies. They've never matured. And yet maybe they're saved for years. Of course, there's a reason for that. They haven't desired the sincere milk and then to be fed upon the meat of the word. 
that they might grow thereby. And so it's important for us to see just exactly what is he saying here. He's speaking to his brethren, to his fellow believers, and he's reminding them something right away. He says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations or various trials. Now here's, first of all, the reality of trials. That's the first thought. The reality. Notice a little word there in verse number 2. It says, Count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations. Mark the word when. Because notice what it didn't say. It didn't say if. It says when. You see, many of God's people expect and they're led to believe that whenever they're saved that somehow their problems of life are really over. And you don't need to expect. You see, we live in an age where there's a, a prosperity gospel has been preached. It's not the gospel at all. And there's come to Jesus and be rich. Come to Jesus and be prosperous. Come to Jesus and it'll be glory, hallelujah, all the way. Where'd you find that in the book? Yes, come to Jesus. That's right. The tragedy is, Jesus said, Ye will not come to me that you might have liked. Do the Lord Jesus never led his children into a false security? The Word of God tells us in Job chapter 14 Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. The Lord Jesus Christ, whenever he was speaking to his children, in John chapter 16 and verse 33, he says, In this world, that's where we are, in this world ye shall have tribulation. But then, of course, he goes on to say, But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I mean, don't, don't fall apart. But in this world ye shall have tribulations. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12 it says, Yea, and all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Not might. Shall. Shall suffer. You see, it's not glory hallelujah all the way. And God's people shouldn't be surprised whenever they face trials. Because trials are something that are common to man. You see, God does not promise to keep us from temptations or trials. But he does promise to deliver us out of them. That's the difference. Never promised to keep us from them, but he's promised to bring us through them. And to deliver us out of them. Do you remember the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace in the book of Daniel? In Daniel chapter 3, just let me just read these, just a couple of verses in Daniel chapter 3. And remember they were told to bow down and, and if they wouldn't they'd be put into the fiery furnace to bow down to the image. And it says in Daniel chapter 3 verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Now, they weren't insulting the king. 
They knew that that was not right. It says in the word of God, honor the king. They weren't seeking to be arrogant or insulting the king. It says, we are not. We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy God nor worship the golden image which I have set up. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from or out of the burning fiery furnace. You see, their faith was in God. Not in their circumstances. Do you remember Paul and Silas? They were in prison. They were beaten. Their backs were bleeding. Their feet were put on the stalks. They were lying in the inner prison. They were castaways. As far as they were concerned, they were got rid of and lying in a dirty old dark dungeon. Rat infested and filthy. And yet in the midst of all of that, Thank God they were able to rejoice. Why? Because they trusted God. But you see, the Lord didn't save them from the beatings. He didn't stop the beatings. But God delivered them out of the situation. Because remember, the earthquake came. Temptations, the reality of them. Now let me just say something concerning temptations. The old devil tempts us to make us stumble. But God sends us trials to make us stand. There's a difference. The old devil wants you to stumble. But no matter what God allows you to go through, my friend, there is always a reason. There is always a purpose with God. And we see that as we go on further. Not only do we see the reality of temptations or trials, notice the reach of these trials. Look at the verse 2 again. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations. Now the word divers means various various. In 1 Peter chapter 1 it talks about manifold temptations. What does that mean? It means the trials that come against the people of God are not all alike. What you're going through may, may not be what I'm going through. What I face in life may, you may never have to face. But we all will face trials. We all must. We will all face difficulties in our lives. They come in various forms. Remember Joseph. Joseph the godly Joseph. The one whom the Lord was with even as he lay in the old prison cell. Do you remember Joseph? A young man of great integrity. He was thrown into prison for a crime he didn't commit. What a trial. He was innocent. 
He did not do anything wrong. In actual fact, he was faithful to Potiphar. He ran away whenever Potiphar's wife sought to lead him into sin. He, he ran away from it. But she falsely accused him. What a trial. Job. Job lost his family. He lost them all. One day. He lost his friends. He lost the faithfulness of his wife because she turned to him and she said, Curse God and die, Job. It'd be far better to say goodbye to God and just die. He lost his fitness. He lost all of that, my friend. Why? Because of his sin? No. Because he was God's faithful friend. Daniel. Daniel was committed to the Lord. He honored the Lord. He prayed to the Lord three times a day. Even when he was told not to do it, he went to the place where he was known to pray. And for that... He was thrown into the den of lions. You see, our trials can be different. They're various trials. Could be a loss of job. Could be a family situation. Could be financial strain. Could be relationship problems. In actual fact, those that James was writing to Remember, they were scattered abroad. They lost their homes. They lost their jobs. They lost their finances. Humanly speaking, they lost everything. But they hadn't lost the Lord. So he's writing to those that have faced various. I may not know what you're going through, brother, sister. Because mine are different. But don't you look into the face of this preacher to say, you know, you know nothing about problems and you know nothing of trials and you know nothing of temptations, friend. For I do. Just the same as you. There's another little word there in that verse. Just let's look at it again very quickly. It says, my brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into. Now the idea there, whenever you think about falling into something, You think about an accident. You fall into something. In actual fact, that's not the meaning of that word. The meaning of that word is encounter or come across. It's the same word that was used concerning the traveler on the Jericho Road who fell among thieves. He encountered them. In other words, he was going about his business, his normal business, and then suddenly there was an attack upon him. He he encountered, there was no warning, unexpected. And maybe that's the trial that you're going through. Without a warning, friend, you faced a situation that you never expected you'd have to go through. 
And suddenly and unexpectedly, you're faced with them. It says there, when ye fall. In other words, there are trials, friend, that are unavoidable that we will have to face. But remember this. God's faithful. The word, the last word in the degree and the timing of that trial, friend, is not sins, but God's. God's in control. Never forget that. God is in control. Now very quickly let me ask you we come to the reaction to the trials what does it say there in verse number 2 count it all joy now you think that's a contradiction don't you you don't say whoopee I'm facing trials today I'm really rejoicing I'm facing trials today no no you don't do that do you if you did, somebody would think you had lost your head. And yet the Holy Ghost says here, count it all joy. The question is this, how do we face or how do we react to our trials? How do we turn trials into triumphs? That's what it's all about. Andrew Murray the godly Andrew, godly Andrew Murray said this. There are four anchors to remember in the midst of suffering. One, I am here by God's appointment. For he brought me here. Let me tell you, the devil was not able to do anything on Job until God permitted him. Was not. He could do nothing until God permitted him. And Andrew Murray said the first thought is this I am here by God's appointment. Secondly, I am here by God's keeping. For God will grant me grace to live as his child here. Remember what he says My grace is sufficient. With thee. Thirdly, I am here under God's training. For God has something to teach me here. And remember this whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. So I am here under God's training. He intends me to learn here. And in the midst of your trial, friend, have you asked this question, Lord, what are you teaching me here? What do you want me to learn here? Because I'm here at your appointment. And I'm here under your keeping. And then he said, lastly, I am here.
for God's time. He'll bring me out when he's ready. Brethren and sisters, trials are not easy. And many of God's children have to bear heavy burdens. But never forget this. Jesus knows all about your struggle. He will guide to the day is done. For there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. And when you see the Lord in the midst of your situation, friend, that's when he gives you the grace to react properly. Count it all joy. For God, you're in control. Now, time's away. You can just go the last. I'll just read these for just knowing this. Knowing this. Remember this. Remember this. That the trial of your faith. Knowing this, that means you need to discern this. You need to recognize this. You need to distinguish this in the midst of your trials. Recognize, discern the purpose of God. There is always a purpose. There's always a plan that God has. What we're going through. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And the word there, worketh, means to work out, to achieve, to accomplish. The Lord's not allowing you to go through a situation, friend, to destroy you. He's not allowing you to go through it to discourage you. But you remember this, it's working, it's achieving, it's accomplishing. Under God, you see the hand of God in the midst of it all. Knowing that your trial of your faith, it worketh patience. And then it says this, let patience have her perfect work. What's God doing in the midst of all of this? He's character building. He's maturing you. He's growing you. God says, trust me. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. You see, patience is not the end of the story. Patience let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire. In other words, brought to full bloom to fulfill the purpose for which it was intended, to mature, to complete. That ye may be perfect, entire, Wanting nothing. 
God is still on the throne and he will remember his own child of God no matter what you're going through God says trust me trust me and this little flock of God in Orlando what you're going through waiting do you remember what the psalmist said I waited patiently for the Lord he inclined unto me and he heard I cry God will work it out his way wait for him Heavenly Father bless thy word this morning Help us to be still and know that thou art God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. And the God of Jacob is our refuge.